You're listening to The Rock House. A production of Austin Rock Records. Hello. What's up? Welcome to episode six of Four Questions, a weekly podcast where I answer four questions about my husband's indie rock band, Learson Peak. Oh, yeah. My name is Michelle Learson, and I'm here with Stephen Learson, my husband. Peekaboo. To help you guide, <laughs> to help guide you through our struggles and successes with the band. So this past weekend was Memorial Day weekend. And uh, this episode will be very special because Stephen and I will be recapping our experiences at Boston Calling. Oh, yeah. The biggest festival ever. Uh, well, not ever. <laughs> it's the biggest festival in New England. Yes. Uh, spending three days over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every Memorial Day weekend. It was co-founded by Bostonians Brian Appel and Mike Snow. Mm. Not the musician Mike Snow, but another Mike Snow. And uh, in tw 2013, the original festival was held in Boston City Hall. That's right. It was held there for many years. Yeah, but then Madison Square Garden purchased a 51% stake. Really? And then a Yankee? <laughs> a Yankee company? Yeah. Bought Boston Calling? Yeah, New York owns Boston. That really grinds my gears. And they moved the festival from City Hall to Harvard Athletic Center. Mm. Um, and the music is curated by the band, uh, one of the members of the band, The National. The National. Which member? Which guy is it? Um, his name is Aaron Dessner, and he has a twin brother. Oh, that would explain why he books The National to play <laughs> every year yeah. at the festival that he curates. Now they're a good band. So they played, yeah, they played again this year. They did. Mm -hmm. Grammy winning band, <laughs> The National. We, but we would like to thank The National because they got us the tickets That's to Boston right. Calling. Yeah, so shout thank out you. to Allison, their tour manager. Mm -hmm. And shout out to Jules Jensen, uh, my drummer. Yeah. Boston Calling bus driver <laughs> and uh, all around awesome guy who helped coordinate get us in, getting us into the festival. Yeah, so thank you. And thanks to Madison Square Garden for moving the festival right next to her house. Yes. Yeah, so after attending all three days of Boston Calling with Stephen, I wanted to use this podcast to share with you the three biggest surprises from this year's Boston Calling. Oh, okay. Three surprises. I thought this was four questions, but now we're doing three surprises. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I thought four surprises was too many. Oh, really? <laughs> and I had were three you, big were ones. Were you just not surprised enough? <laughs> you were only surprised three times. <laughs> and I also, I didn't go to all the shows because I was busy promoting your shows. That's true. So I had three that I have here. Okay. But well, there's three good ones. Let's get right into it. Surprise number one. <laughs> Surprise number one is the St. Vincent performance of Boston Calling. Okay. So what's the surprise? The surprise was... <laughs> Uh, St. Vincent's costume. Oh, oh yeah. Excuse me. See, I was so surprised. Just uh, we remembering wore, her costume. She wore this red leather. It was orange. Skin tight, blood orange red um, outfit, which was, was a great color. It was I love orange, that color. Orange. It was like orange, like an orange. One of my favorite colors. And these knee high boots and. A red guitar. She also was, you know, 
She was showing off quite a lot of underboob. <laughs> Steven loved the underboob cutout. But yeah, that was the surprise along oh. with how her band members were dressed. Which, That's right. You know, she had... Um, she t- has her slave, her <laughs> Japanese slave bass no, player. she's not her slave. Oh. She's a fellow member. Her name is Toko Yasuda. But okay, so she was kind of dressed normal with pigtails. But the other members of the band were covered in uh, blonde wigs mm-hmm. and face masks made out of uh, stocking materials. They basically look like Muppets. They had like giant you noses. See their faces. Like, have you ever seen the Muppet cooking show? Like the Swedish cooks? They look like the Swedish cooks. Yeah, they did kind of look like a Muppet. But I'm not sure if it was a Muppet statement she was trying to make with the male band members. Or maybe she wanted to mask their identity. To Maybe. Maybe it was someone famous and just sitting in like David Byrne. Yeah, maybe, but <laughs> probably more likely she was trying to make some kind of like underboob uh-huh. fem- feminist statement. Well, I mean, she—I think she said they were guys, like male performers, and so it was a drummer and a keyboard player, mm-hmm. but we couldn't see them, and that was a big surprise. They also—it was a hot day. They were probably real hot. Yeah, it was like ninety degrees the day she yeah. performed, and her outfit was very fitting, I think, for the weather. <laughs> So I, I did like her set. I don't know how you felt, Stephen, but she played all the songs on her new album, Mass Seduction. She did. I don't think she played all of them, but... Well, a lot of them. And she had these crazy visuals of her face in slow motion being punched by a punching bag with blood on her lips. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very different to when I saw her last time at Boston Calling 2015. A good, you know, another thing I think is important to recognize is how many guitars she played. Oh, yeah. She had, what, about seven guitars, all different colors. Yeah, like, she started with red, and then she went to, like, green. Is orange. And then yellow, and then black. And blue. And blue. And I have a video, so I'm going to post it. I took videos of every performance that I thought was interesting. Oh. So I'll post it on our website. AlstonRockRecords.com. Yeah. So if you're seeing St. Vincent uh, and she's coming to your town, you should go to the show. You're gonna be you should sure, totally go. But be don't sure ex- to see a whole bunch of underboob. <laughs> don't expect it to be like the last time you saw her. Because I think she's trying to make a statement where she's saying like, okay, I can play guitar. You know I can play guitar. Come on. Like, I can sing. But can I make awesome underboob outfits and awesome visuals yeah and her voice is actually also uh spectacular Mm. her voice was i you know on her new album i think she does some some vocal gymnastics and it was really awesome to see her deliver live yeah so kudos to saint vincent for killing the vocal tracks yeah shall we move on to the uh, uh second surprise yes well, my second surprise was when we saw the Decemberists play. Oh, the Decemberists. Yeah. In so, May. Yeah. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it, the, it was during a day where it was cold and rainy. So it was very appropriate for them to perform. <laughs> right. <laughs> but 
but I'd never seen or heard of the Decembers before, so I didn't really know what to expect. But we had to walk all the way to the other side of the festivals. Um, there's another stage called the Blue Stage. Mm-hmm. And it was like raining and I was tired. And when I, when I was walking into the set, I felt like I was walking in on a band playing old Irish music for a square dancing party. Right. Not to mention the other acts on the other stages that we were walking away from were playing like really loud hip hop. <laughs> yeah. And rap. Yeah. We miss Khalid. Um, yeah. Who was playing during Decemberists. But yeah, so I had to kind of warm up to them. And the sound was kind of funny at first. But when we got closer, it, it sounded better. Mm-hmm. So what surprised you about them? What's the surprise? Um, well, it was surprisingly good. <laughs> after a while no they were surprisingly good oh, i'm no. sure they'll be happy to hear that no 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 they had this song that i was i really enjoyed when oh. they performed it what live was song? it was called everything is awful everything, which was surprisingly everything, good everything 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 yeah. everything now you just play it all the time everything 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 is awful and then he would sing the chorus like that and then he'd get the whole audience singing it. Mm-hmm. And then every time they would say everything is awful, he would mention something that was awful. <laughs> yeah. Like he would say, like everybody would go, everything is awful. And he would say, it's cold and raining out in mm-hmm. May. Yeah. And then everybody would go, everything is awful. And he would say, there's a white supremacist in the White House. Yeah, and then we he made us sing. Like it right. was not optional. Right. <laughs> so it we was had awful. to sing every time he said something. Right. And then he's like, There's a white straight man standing on stage telling you what to do. Everything is awful. <laughs> and you're not quite sure when this is gonna end. Everything is awful. <laughs> but the reality is it doesn't end. Oh god. <laughs> So that went on for yeah, a while. Yeah. yeah. And it was, great. Uh, it was it fun. It was awful. And I think I it mean, really lightened the mood after a while. Yeah. But uh, oh, they also had this really interesting keyboardist who had covered their entire keyboard set with plastic. Right, because it was, was raining. <laughs> obviously worried about the rain. And she played the accordion. Mm hmm. And she kind of looked like... She played everything. One of those... She played organs, synthesizers, pianos, accordion. Yeah. She even sang. And she, she was lo- pretty badass. And she looked like she came straight out of Broadway. Because she had this persona of like an evil mother. And, right. And, with and she's wearing kind of like short a... Short black hair. Yeah, she's short black hair. She's kind of wearing a business suit. <laughs> like a motherly business suit yeah. with a brooch. Yeah. And like... Uh, you know. And yeah, she played all these instruments and she also had these hot female singers next to her hmm. who who sang backup. Right. They but, sang that everything is awful backup. But like she didn't really let them take control. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So, so that was yeah. Go see check, the Decemberists. Check it You'll out. be surprised. They are coming back to uh, Massachusetts oh. on June fifteenth. I saw that they're playing at Mocha. Mocha. Yeah, out in uh Western Mass. Yeah. All right. So they're playing a. Well, I want some more surprises. <laughs> okay. I like being surprised. Can I we get another? We only have one more surprise. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> These are the top three surprises from Boston College. What do you have? Surprise me. Come on. I can't wait. Um, 
Last surprise is that I enjoyed the Thundercat set. <laughs> yeah. Meow. And it was like, you know, full jazz set. <laughs> like, and I like jazz. Insane jazz yeah. fusion. So like, it sounded like a jazz yeah. record turned up, like, fast forward. I didn't think I would like Thundercat because last time I saw them, they were at the Paradise and. They're, they don't have songs. There's no melody, like real melody. I'd say I didn't, um, I didn't really prepare you for that. <laughs> I was just like, come on, we're going to the show. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And it was just basically like this dude on the stage playing a huge bass guitar, wearing basketball shorts, looking like he just rolled out of bed and sandals. And basically that was how he did it at Boston Calling. Right. Except his bas- basketball shorts were red and his hair was red. And his hoodie was red. And he had a Thundercat symbol <laughs> on the back of his hoodie. But yeah, Thundercat was amazing. I see why people like them. Because they play so fast. They're so good at their instruments. And they can sing. Like they actually harmonized well. Quickly between their crazy jazz solos. Mm-hmm. You know, and he also it's had, very enjoyable. He also has like a very interesting kind of cool interaction with the audience oh yeah you know like he he has he has like a very warm smile yeah and when he does stop to talk for a second you know he just says stuff like you all doing okay (laughs) well all right then (laughs) and then he'll laugh like really crazy well i remember he started off his first thing that he said was you want to go down the rabbit hole y'all ready to go down the rabbit hole and then, man. But he wasn't my favorite of the band members. Oh. Yeah. Who was your favorite? Um, Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> what did Dennis play? <laughs> Dennis Mann plays keyboards for Thundercat. And he is excellent. I know. He's so good. He looks like Tom Petty, like a young Tom Petty. And he has this, like, almost like evil, like, sneaky smile the he's whole got, yeah, time. Yeah, he's got a sneaky smile going on. And he's just looking at Thundercat. But he's also kind of, even when he's not smiling, he's like smiling with his eyes. Yeah. Kind of. He just looks like an evil doctor on the keyboard. And he's surrounded in a cage of keyboards, which I always admire. So it's really captivating. And, you know, the drummer Justin was awesome as well. Yeah. And uh, Thundercat, whose name is actually Steven. Steven Lee Brunner. Good name. Is he spelled with a PH? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thundercat is because he's pH balance for women. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's red-haired. Yeah, all right. But yeah, it was a great show. And uh, I think Thundercat is a much better band during the daytime. You really? Yeah. Why? Because you just have to see them. You have to see their faces. Really? When Mm. they perform, it makes it so much better. But in the dark... There's so much more to enjoy. Well, not to mention when it did get dark, oh, the yeah. main event came on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who I I guess is not a surprise. It's not one of the surprises. No, but it's not you a know surprise. I was a little surprised because you know I, I don't really like hip hop too much. Like you're talking not, about Eminem. Yeah, and it actually turns out he's like Skittles. He's a Skittles guy. <laughs> 
is not true. It's true. It is not saying this on the air. I got it from the source. It's true. Eminem We're going to get shut down. Eminem again. likes to taste the rainbow. <gasps> all right. All right. But uh, no, just, all Steven kidding aside. Joking. All kidding aside, Eminem <laughs> was pretty fun. And he was, you know, I would say he really, he was working hard. He like <laughs> wanted, he was trying real hard. He had a hype guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the the headliner is Eminem. And before Eminem, this uh, DJ played called Mike D, who's part of the Beastie Boys. But then when Eminem played, went on, he had a hype guy who like hyped him up for every song. And it was a huge production. I mean, there was like a symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm. They had huge visuals. They, they had, had two drummers. They had a percussionist. Yeah. They had three singers. They had a <laughs> DJ. Yeah. They and they had, had fireworks. Skylar Gray came out and sang a couple songs. Mm-hmm. She sang the Dido, the Dido parts. Yeah. They, she sang the Beyonce song on Eminem's new album mm-hmm. called Revival. Walk on Water. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. But that album that he's out on tour for actually got really mixed reviews. Even though Beyonce and Ed Sheeran and Alicia Keys and Rick Rubin were part of it. That's pretty crazy to me. I mean, maybe he's just rapping too fast. Nobody (laughs) understands him. No, I just think there was maybe like too much other people. It should have just been all rap. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's just whining too much. (laughs) Because his performance, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a rap performance. It was more like pop symphony performance. Well, okay. But aside from, you know, his new album and his, you know, whether it's rapping or not, the dude is jacked. I mean, he's been going, he's and he been has working a beard. out. Yeah, and he's got a beard, which I gotta say is mm-hmm, not for me. But I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a girl. I don't, I don't know. But Maybe you can speak really, to that more. Our friends really benefited from his beard because he brought along his barber, right, to the he festival. A, a hairdresser, excuse. Hairdresser? Yeah. They call him his. He's not called the barber. Oh man, we better check on that. We better fact check that. <laughs> Wouldn't want to. Well, wouldn't anyway, mess he up gave that detail. He, he gave um, Eminem's hairdresser slash barber gave. Our friends who were running Boston Calling, part of the crew, all haircuts. Yeah. All my buddies who were working on the crew looked real good. Real dapper. They were really happy. And they were all just like, yep, got a haircut from M&M's. Barber (laughs) slash hairdresser. I don't know what, yeah. So, yeah. That was M&M. But I did like Tool more, I would say, from last year. Hmm. All right, so this, you know, this is great, but are we yeah. going to do the four questions? Oh, yeah. Should I ask that you the questions now? That was just intro. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Moving right along to the questions. Uh, did anything go well? Yes, Can of you, course. Oh, oh, really? Oh, good. <laughs> we had a Boston Calling after party. Oh. Which is why we're talking about Boston Calling. Um, after day one, which was Friday night, and the Killers had headlined the first day. And after the killers, everybody still wanted to party, so they came to Article 24. Oh, how did they get there? Oh, they walked. How did they know to go? Oh, well, I gave, out, I gave out our special flyers oh. with the words free access. And uh, I think that really enticed our people to come. Uh, refer to episode two of this season for my discussion on effective flyering. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I gave out flyers right after the killers. I yeah. stood at the exit of Boston Calling giving out flyers. How many did you give out? A thousand. I gave out a thousand. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I had like 1,500, but I gave out a thousand. <laughs> and uh, even our Airbnb guests came. That's right. That you had mentioned earlier. Yeah, it was an it was an epic after party. The place was packed. It was packed. And uh you know, everybody was pretty like amped up festival style. Yeah. Everyone had wristbands. Yeah. My favorite part was like when you asked the audience what their favorite act was or who they're most excited to see for Boston Calling, mm. and someone in the audience shouted out, There's in peak. Yeah, that caught me off guard. <laughs> and then you were just like Okay, let's play now. <laughs> All right. Well, we're here. Let's play. Yeah, so I thought I went well, but I'm not sure if we're going to play there again at that venue, uh, Article 24, because they made us do our own sound, and it was very stressful. Yeah, especially for me, since I had to set up all the sound gear. Yeah. So if you're a musician looking to play at Article 24, just be aware that you have to bring your own sound system. Mm-hmm. All right, so anything uh, go poorly? Anything not go well? Anything so that well? didn't go well this week? What didn't go well? well? I mean, you and I. We're, we're not doing well? <laughs> no, we're doing great. Oh, okay. But our design collaboration process with making t-shirts for Box Island was pretty stressful. Oh, I thought it went quite well. <laughs> When did I stress you out? I mean, we just had like a thousand designs and I had you and Jules breathing down my neck about how to make the exact line. That's a lot of breath. Yeah. So we, I That's think we, we probably spent like, you know, four days straight just <laughs> designing the simple t-shirt. Yeah. To the listeners, I think she's exaggerating just a little, just a tad. No. Oh, okay. She's shaking her head now. Um, so we did that She's this week. She's wagging her finger. No, out. I am okay. happy that we finished, but it is very stressful. Um, but I think Steve and I came up with some great designs. All right. There's the silver lining. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned. You should check. You, you know what? If you're, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it's almost too late to, <laughs> to put in your order for Box Island shirts. No, so. It is too late. So you'll have to just come and get what's left. Yeah. But um, one tip I do have for anyone designing t-shirts for any reason is mm. that if you're going to design t-shirts, you should start designing in a dark background, like black or dark gray or dark blue. Instead and then of, design in white ink. And design on back, black background with white ink. Yeah. Um, instead of what we did poorly <laughs> was design on white paper with pencil or like in Photoshop with a white background and black ink because most t-shirts are black and you want to see what the design is going to look like on a real t-shirt. And if you inverse, invert the colors black and it doesn't look quite right. It's a game changer. <laughs> Go for it. So it's much better to start with black a background, dark background. So a little tip there. So did you learn anything besides that? Besides to do a black background? Oh, yes. Uh, we learned a lot about this dramatic battle going on between the community, the artist community of the EMF building in Central Square and the Harvard Square Business Association. 
if you didn't know, there's a, I mean, basically the battle's over, the musicians have lost, and they are being evicted from this practice studio and community center. It's such a crummy situation. Um, it sounds awful. And uh, the way I learned about this was because oh, we had booked a show with the Harvard Square Business Association for a uh, festival coming up called the Make Music Festival on yeah. June 16th. And we didn't know about this drama, about this eviction. And so after we announced on Facebook that we were playing the festival, we got a letter from one of the protesters uh, right. So I wanted to read this letter or parts of the letter out to our audience to see, you know, so you can hear what we learned. Yeah, go ahead and read it. <laughs> yeah, so the letter says, um, I'm reaching out as a member of Cambridge Artists Coalition, which is an organization started on the heels of 200 plus musicians being evicted from our practice space, EMF. The building housed music teachers, recording studios, art studios, and other space-needing artistic endeavors that people's livelihoods relied on. The man who was in charge of the evictions, John P. D. Giovanni, is the head of the Harvard Square Business Association, which runs the Make Music Festival. In turn, the local music community has decided to occupy Make Music this year. We're hoping that acts who have already signed up will stand with us in solidarity, not just for EMF, but against the general trend of developers profiting from our crafts and then running us out of our spaces. This can include choosing not to play, showing up and handing the mic over to organizers, showing up and running an iPod through your amplifier, or just playing a few songs and stopping. It's really up to you. We won't be disrupting people who choose to play, but we obviously appreciate any ounce of support that you can show. Unquote. Yeah, this is intense. This is an intense situation to be in. I mean, I didn't yeah. know anything about, I would have never taken the gig. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I to known do about this now. beforehand. But I'm in kind of an ethical dilemma because yeah. I, I really don't think I should... I don't feel comfortable canceling a show. Right. Uh, even, even under these circumstances. Uh, yet I just, uh, I feel so much for these musicians who are being kicked out of their uh, space. And I've been uh, to EMF radio. I've been to the building yeah. to go on the internet radio show. And, uh, you know, musicians in Boston just have very little they have no place to go. You yeah. know, I, I basically, I've spent my entire time living in Boston, having people bang on the ceiling or the roof or the, <laughs> or the floor to uh, tell me to shut up. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like been my entire life, Yeah. you know, so the, here's like one less split place. And what are they going to do? They're going to like probably turn it into luxury condos or something. Mm. Yeah. So, which, you know, would just further gentrify Harvard square. Right. And uh, well, it's Central Square, right? Well, there you go, and just make it, yeah, uh, and even, uh, uh, you know, but I think it's just pretty mean of them to like kick the people out and then ask them to play at their music festival for free, yeah, 
Well, they, I mean, that's the other, that's the other side of the coin is, you know, that was, that was one, I we almost didn't take this gig because we yeah, didn't want to, like, we oh, didn't want to play for free, no. but we also didn't want to pass up an opportunity to perform in Harvard square for lots of people. But now we're finding out most of these people who are going to be performing for are disgruntled musicians. Yeah. I mean, there uh, might be lots of protesters out the day that you perform. Well, so we'll I'm, see. I I just I've decided I decided that um I'm not going to just stand up there and play an iPod because um first of all I think that's stupid and I'm not a I hate DJs anyway. So so I think I think there's a way to perform and support the musicians. So I put together a, a bunch of songs that I might play. Um I put together a list. Uh which includes The Man in Black by Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. <laughs> That's uh, appropriate. We Shall Overcome by Pete Seeger. The Times They Are a Changing so Bob Dylan. Are you going to songs? You're going to perform them? I think so, yeah. I've been working on a lot of them. And I, I feel like that's that's the best way to... Uh, fulfill my obligation to play the gig and to support the musicians mm -hmm. who are being treated unjustly, you yeah. know, is not to not play, but to play with a purpose, mm. you know, uh, and, and looking up all of these, um, uh, songs that kind of are, are uh, anti-authority or, uh, anti, you know, sticking it to the man. Yeah. You know, it's kind of gotten me riled up and gotten me excited to actually perform. And yeah, well, I mean, the, the actually, the I th you know, I just think music has been a very powerful tool for protesting. So instead of not playing, why not play with that yeah. purpose? I mean, the I th Harvard Square Business Association said they welcomed the protest, but they thought that it was, quote, misguided. <laughs> yeah, well, that's such a pompous Harvard thing to oh. say. I mean. And that they said the building that they're being evicted out of is 98 years old and it's unsafe and it needs major repair. So that's their side. But they said, you know, if you're going to protest, okay, but you're they're also they're also planning to repair it. And then it's not like they're going to invite the musicians back after it's repaired no. to have a nicer place to rehearse and record and teach they're repairing it so that they can turn it into something for profit. Yeah. So anyway, on Facebook, there's an, an event. If you want to look it up, it's called Occupy Make Music. And there's over a thousand people uh, that are going or interested at, uh, with, in this event. And even the state representative of Massachusetts, Mike Connolly, is going to be there. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen on Saturday, June 16th. Um, I hope that our listeners, if you want to come and support the musicians, and Stephen's slot is 6 p.m., so we'll see. Yeah. What happens? Yeah, come, come, come and protest. Come and see the music. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm just as excited to be part of the event now, and I, you know, to listen yeah. and find out more about what what has been going on. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, if none of the other musicians are going to play, then maybe. We won't play. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully there's no violence. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I learned. Pretty big uh, topic. So, so obvi I mean, obviously you're looking forward to this. 
Is there any, is there <laughs> I know any, I'm a little bit nervous about the, the gig. Um, is there anything else you're looking forward to? Yes. So the earlier <laughs> this week is um, <laughs> two big events, which is Indobox's last show in Boston at Thunder Road. Which That's is right. Friday, June 8th at Thunder Road. Indobox is playing uh, this Friday night. And then Learson Peak is playing the day after at Fresh Pond Fest in Cambridge on Saturday, June 9th. Uh, the set is at 12 o'clock. And right. it's all ages. It's all ages, all, all canines. Animals. <laughs> yeah. All. Um, and Bartok, our dog, will be there. That's right. And Steven will be so there. So if you don't come to see me, you just come to see my dog. It'll be just as good. So I'm really excited about those two events, which are paying events. And uh, we hope that there's going to be good weather. Because if it rains, then it's canceled. Mm-hmm. But right now, the forecast is looking good. Yes, we'll see. Hopefully it doesn't thunderstorm. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to all that too. Yeah. And uh, do you have any new songs to share with us this week? I do. I have a new song. Uh, as soon as we let the credits roll, I'm going to play it. It's called Everything is All Right. Okay. Well, that's pretty appropriate for all the news this week. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll check in with you guys next week. Yeah, stay tuned next week to hear more about the progress on the Harvard Make Music Festival. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have more to say. And come to Fresh Pond. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.